Left. Right. Yo, I think you're gonna like this episode. We are talking about future cars and how they're gonna suck. Um, pretty interesting conversation, but I predict that cars from 2010 to 2025 are gonna be the most popular vehicles on the market in history. Uh, all right, check it out. Let me know what you think. And uh, don't forget, we also got the gift guide at the half hour mark of this podcast. So let us know what you think about the gifts too. And uh, I'll see you on the other end. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 155. My name is Justin Julio out of my basement in New Jersey, joined by James, the Bosnator Boswell, professional bartender, professional referee, accountant, and philosopher. Glad to have you, James. Yeah, good to be here. What are you? Uh, what are you cracking open down there? You know what it is. Uh, bush ice. It is. So I'm on this. Uh, <laughs> usually bring a glass down to my desk downstairs, and uh, at the end of the podcast, I usually bring it right back up, throw it in the dishwasher. But I've only really been drinking vodka for the last couple of weeks, and this every time I come down here, I go, oh, "There's a cup there," and then I sit down, we go live, I look at the cup, and go, oh, "Shit, that's a, it's a dirty glass." So. Uh, Looks like this could be, yeah, I'm not drinking vodka quite straight today. I got the flavonoids in the glass here to uh, to help with this vodka in the black bottle from Belvedere called uh, Unfiltered Rare Diamond Rye, which I thought it's got the gold on the label. I thought maybe was a, was a whiskey, but um, it, indeed it is not. So look, so today we got we got two cool things we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about the future of cars and how much they're going to suck. And then about the half hour mark, we'll break into the Christmas gift list, the official gift list for 2021. Because we did an earlier episode this year, a few weeks back, kind of a recap of gift ideas, just so that people who are listening have an idea of some good Christmas gifts to give. Because uh, it sucks trying to buy something for somebody and like you can't think of a good gift. And, uh, and then you end up just getting them like, some kind of cheesy you know like some of that you pick up i was in uh i was in marshall's or tj maxx or one of those stores last night and they had this whole section of just like the most bogus gifts that like you buy people that are like somewhat masculine or somewhat fem- feminine type gifts and they're they, you know just give me an there. example like uh like a shaving kit with just like the poorest quality leathers and and just you know something that you wouldn't want to sit out you know on display in your house you know what uh, a straight leather uh, a straight razor is this, actually and you're not going to find a straight razor in these in these gifts you're going to find you're going to find some cheap like harry's subscription razor service i'm not shitting on harry's but i'm just saying it's not something you're going to want to leave out on your on your counter if you're going to give somebody a good gift i would give them something like a straight razor which is actually a great gift and that's been on uh a gift list uh you know a few times in the past plus some accessories to uh accessorize it but look we'll get there in a minute you shared with me what was it last night this article or it was it was earlier today maybe yesterday okay do you remember the publication you read it in i can look it up okay what was the title of the article <laughs> i don't remember i just remember what Damn, the article you, you was really about came, came what, what? today i'd like to i'd like to well, cite the record i wasn't aware that i was going to have to cite my sources well, like you know i figured that was uh, it, it was from treehugger.com. Treehugger.com, intention, in, intelligent speed control coming to European cars. In 2022. Yep. And Two uh, weeks away. Two weeks away. And the cover photo for the article was uh, kind of like a 50 mile an hour, 60 mile an hour, like error symbol um, popping up, presumably on like someone's dashboard display or something. Um, so I... I have predicted in the, you know, you and I are both fans of manual transmission vehicles. So we try to buy, you know, for as if it's going to be a daily driver, the most modern vehicle we can for the sake of reliability. 
uh, with a manual transmission. And since you can't buy any 2020 or newer vehicles with a manual transmission that I know of. There's uh, very few. Um, Even at the Porsche dealership, I haven't seen any. And they're like, oh, well, we have Tiptronic. I'm like, yeah, but pushing a button to shift, I might as well be playing a video game. I want the the feeling of the, I like rack and pinion steering just because I like the way that that feels. So pushing a button to shift isn't the same as putting in the clutch, shifting the gears. It's no, a, in the high end, Tiptronic transmissions are actually faster and more efficient than a stick shift. And if you are, if you were to be racing, for example, Formula One for the longest time uses paddle shifters for, and the advantages are one, it's faster, and two, you don't have to take your hands off the wheel to operate the transmission. So, in 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 many respects, those transmissions are superior for racing. Okay. But when you're driving around town, you're not racing. Yeah, you might so, be going for speed, but it's still for pleasure. Right. And so there, there's nothing that can compare to the physical act of having to operate the clutch and find the gear and match and, and match the engine to the next gear and blipping the engine to get your downshift right. And all those things that just make you feel like you're driving, you don't get from paddle shifters you just don't well there are elements of driving that are simply for the experience alone just like you can order food or you can buy cookies or something like that or buy a cake some people really enjoy doing these things manually (laughs) right yeah it's if you order a nice meal from someplace there's certainly going to be satisfaction from it but if you make a nice meal for yourself you feel that much better about it because you're like, I made this. You know, in the 50s and the 60s, when all the food was kind of becoming instant, kind of post-World War II, um, where they had uh, like Tang-like products. and uh, I feel like 70s were the peak for that. Maybe. Yeah, but I'm thinking the early days of it. So the early okay. days they had, uh, you know, you buy it right now. You can buy like uh, cake batter or something like that or cake mix. And you basically have to add a couple of eggs, a little water, and some interesting oil. fact about that. When well, they were, we, when they hold up, we might have the same fact. So you add, you add a couple of eggs, you add a little bit of oil and some water, you mix it up, you put it in the pan. That's what it is now. Now, initially, it was just add water, and nobody liked it because it was too instant. And people, is this where you, is this where you're getting at? Yeah, the marketing, the marketing department tested these things, and they found that. When the, the products that didn't have the egg already added into them, where you actually had the add the egg and the oil and stir it up yourself, showed much higher ratings. Even if the taste was the same between the two products, people were much more satisfied with the one where they cracked the egg themselves. <laughs> exactly. Even though getting the egg into the blend is, you know, it, it, technologically, you know, it, it, it tastes basically the same. People liked it better because they put in more work. So that was something they tested on. Now, now we know driving a manual transmission car is a bit more involved than cracking an egg into a, into a bowl of batter. But for me, it's the same idea. I want to be doing certain things myself. And I understand there's a lot of it I'm not doing. Well, and it's also with, unless you've got like a really high end automatic manual transmission, then a lot of times it's the illusion that you're creating that you're shifting the gears because there will be times where you'll tell the car to shift the gear and it won't let you like if you want to run if you're doing like 35 miles an hour and you want to go into sixth or seventh gear the car won't let you you talking about the newer newer tiptronic vehicles yeah it'll lock you out and now like part of it's good where like if you're doing 80 and you want to shift into second gear it won't <laughs> let you either yeah. Um, so it'll have lockouts to prevent over revving the engine, but it'll also have lockouts to prevent you from lugging the engine. And there are some times where you might actually want to be in sixth or seventh gear going 35. Like there's been times where I've been driving down like a street that has a very low speed limit and there's no traffic. And I just want to like cruise with like the engine doing the least amount possible. So I yeah, might be yeah, in like, fifth gear at 35 yeah. miles an hour. Exactly. Yeah. The car doesn't, the car doesn't want you to be doing that. So, so here's my theory, though, is that, and I don't know if I said this already, 
but uh, the most valuable vehicles in all time history are going to be 2010 to 2025. The vehicles that have as much of the new technology as possible without the newest technology that's hated, like mm-hmm. the speed control, like the maybe GPS or the integrated like Facebook and Twitter notifications or some shit like that, because you know, like have, a, a giant tablet in the console. Yeah, you could have that when you're um, when you're not actively driving the car. And you see that now and I see people look at the Teslas and go, well, that is very plain. And there's just a big iPad in the middle. Like that's not that's that's not cool at all. So I'm predicting mm-hmm. that the most valuable vehicles will be 2010 to 2025. And, uh, you know, because they're going to get the best gas mileage, it's likely also to be the electric vehicles of those years. So the best electric vehicles that are produced over the next few years that don't have the speed uh, governor on them. That's a that's a huge question, because the article that I sent you is only for EU, but it's a demonstration that this technology exists and is being implemented and accepted not far from here. And well, I mean, dictator, uh, dictatorship, China went under lockdown uh, during coronavirus and we immediately followed them. So that's not maybe such a great idea, whereas putting governors in cars to me sounds from a uh, political view and from a governing view, like a safer, safer move. You know, and I've always questioned myself, why does this car do 160 miles an hour? Why does it why does the speedometer say 180? Let me see how, how close I can get it. Yeah, well, I think there's a big difference between, like, I've driven cars that have been governed to, like, 115 or so, and I've found out. Um, But there's a difference between having a governor set at some high but reasonable limit of, like, 100 to 120 miles an hour, because there's not really a legitimate reason to go 100 miles an hour in a car. There's not really a legitimate reason to do 80 miles an hour in a car. There I can is tell you, absolutely an, a legitimate reason. In, in Texas, there are highways that have a speed well, limit of 80. Sure, but if the speed limit's 55 or 65. Now, the speed limit in Jersey is 65, and everybody does 90 miles an hour, which right. I find coming from New York to New Jersey, and I drive in the highways in New York all the time. Now that I'm driving daily on the highways in Jersey, especially in the old pickup truck that I have, the pickup truck, like... You know, it, it's huffing at 70 miles an hour. And, uh, you know, I got to be really be pushing it up, up to 80, 85 miles an hour just to keep up with the traffic. And I don't like pushing the car, but I also don't like cars whizzing by me at 90 miles an hour while I'm doing 62. Right. So reading that article, I got irrationally angry because <laughs> imagine driving along and all of a sudden your car just starts to lose power. Not because there's something mechanically wrong with it, not because the engine isn't power enough, powerful enough to go that speed, but because the computer in the car says you're going too fast. And the way that this technology works is through a combination of cameras in the car and GPS technology that, given that this is an EU regulation, I would have to imagine is always on. And the only way that you would be able to turn it off would probably be to illegally modify your car. Which is going to, if you've tried to do any mechanical work on a vehicle in the last decade, like I used to, you know, we grew up doing work on like Jeeps and and cars from the 90s. You try to do work on a car from the last decade, it's almost impossible. And that's mechanical. There's a great video. um, I don't know if you ever watched Top Gear, but one of the the hosts for Top Gear um, has a Tesla. And the Tesla, he said he didn't drive it for like two weeks or something. And he he wanted to take it for a drive, so he hooked it up to the charger to just top off the battery. And he gets in the car, and the car won't start. What happened was, even though the main big battery pack that actually powers the motor on the car was fully mm-hmm. charged, there's the separate, smaller lead-acid battery. Yeah, that, like every car has. Mm-hmm, that went dead, and for some reason, charging... The main battery, there wasn't like a little relay to trickle charge the lead acid. And so he had to like he had to remove the, the lead acid battery to actually trickle charge it. And where the battery was, he had to take off like all sorts of trim and everything just to get access to the battery. Wow. Trim? Like, Not even like opening the hood, but trim. No, no, no. Like this was buried kind of in like 
behind like the front bumper, I think it was. And so like you couldn't access it by just like popping the hood and like reaching around or something. This was something where trim had to be removed to so, even access it. And it's one of those ones where you just like cars are no longer designed to be worked on in a realistic way by the consumer. And the reason for that is that if you make it really difficult to work on without the dealership's tools or whatever, then you're going to have to go to the dealership anytime there's a problem, which, which means more money for the dealership and less money for you and also for independent repair shops. Which also means being a mechanic takes more schooling, but because more people need to go to the mechanic, it probably pays better. Well, it's not just that be, it, you're going to have to learn more to be, be a mechanic, but it also makes being a mechanic have a, having less transferable skills. Because well, if you're a mechanic for Mercedes-Benz, then you might not have the training to work on Toyotas because the way that Toyotas are set up proprietarily is going to yeah. be different and you're not going to be able to do the same kind of things. Yes, uh, I see you there. But also, it's going to be less mechanical and, and grease and bolt, nuts and bolts and more computer programming and electro, electrical engineering. The worst thing, in, in my opinion, the worst thing that can happen to a car is for it to develop an electrical problem. Yep, uh, I can tell you that about the pickup truck, <laughs> where there's a loose a loose ground or some ground that's fucked up somewhere, um, and um, just can't get to it. So Prima talked about playing video games while you drive. So like you can actually do that with Teslas, and it's a huge safety issue. That would not surprise me at all, um, and I don't know why we're encouraging people to do that already when the technology is not there and other people are drive manually driving their vehicles that's going to be the biggest factor i actually think there's going to be a lot more accidents because when when there's a lot more self-driving cars on the road because the self-driving cars won't be able to account for the variations in human behavior as well as humans can self-driving cars might be safer above a critical mass if you have i don't know what the number is but i'm just going to make something up and say if 80 percent of the cars are self-driving then probably things get safer because all the self-driving cars are running the same program so they know what's going on sure but up and, and you're you exactly you're understanding exactly what i'm saying up until that point where maybe it's 60 percent of the vehicles in the road are automatic there's they're going to be less safe so. uh, that's that, I, I i ascribe to that theory um but reading that article it made me think about technology and how like if you buy a car that has this electronic automatic speed control like it's not really your car well so that's something else that i totally forgot about that i wanted to talk about you actually mentioned it and you, what you were saying is that we are owning we have physical unobstructed ownership of less and less and less mm -hmm. and instantly i thought back 15 20 years ago that when your TV breaks, that then that was about the time you started buying a new one, right? Whereas back in the day when we were kids, your TV would break, you would repair it. It was your object. Well, now, the, now yeah, things TV are more. Kind of a bad example because no, the it is, it is. But that's where my mind went first: mm -hmm. is that things are more replaceable now. But they've gone from just being replaceable to the fact. So you weren't. So you're no longer married to the electronics that you spend three, five, six, eight grand on because they're so replaceable but now you're almost renting things i think apple's a good place to look for that um like they're for their most recent phone this isn't the only time they've done it it's just an easy one to to pick up so if you replace a screen on one of the new iphone 13s if you if it's not done by an apple shop with like apple software to verify things you can buy a perfectly legitimate screen. You can buy an Apple manufactured screen and install a, a new screen on an Apple phone. And if it wasn't done in an Apple shop, then a significant portion of the features on that phone don't work. Not because the hardware was installed correctly, but because the software prevents those features from working because it, it isn't matched by Apple to the new screen. So the screen will have some kind of a hash and the motherboard will have a hash. And if you don't have, if you don't bring it to Apple to do it, to match those two hashes together with their software, then you're going to have a phone that is not fully functional. 
And to me, that's not owning your device. If you can't make repairs to your device on your own, then you don't own it. Well, this also goes along with the Internet of Things, is that mm -hmm. each of each of your devices and, you know, I when I say devices, you think like iPad, iPhone, uh, things, Apple Watch. But that also could mean now your connected refrigerator, your connected toaster. Now, you're not fully in control of them and you have to rely on somebody else who actually owns whatever software, you know, algorithms that are running to keep it working with fluidly with everything else in your in your home yo think about how stupid this would be you know how often think about 20 years ago because computers today are a lot better in terms of get, getting viruses and getting bricked by some kind of malware but think about how often like computers would go down 20 years ago now imagine like your your refrigerator breaks not because like the coils went out There's or something component. like that no it's, it's but, a software issue right like <laughs> why do i need software like i always think like a like an internet connected toaster like why would you need that and i don't know if those exist but i wouldn't I be surprised they if they do and <laughs> i have an internet connected uh, coffee maker so right that, that, that's absurd and the other thing is the the cybersecurity on a lot of these devices is really really poor that if you if you re, if you have even like a base level of knowledge on this it's pretty easy to just hack someone's refrigerator if it's connected to the internet like i i bet that if if you were to give me a day or two i could learn how to do it and like make somebody and then order some ridiculous groceries from somebody's internet connected fridge yeah my refrigerator is not connected to the internet in that way but uh, but there's there's fridges that are and they're they're shockingly easy to hack one of my favorite my i think i talked about this a while back a casino in las vegas got hacked do you know how they got hacked oh uh through the smoke detectors or something like that the the they had an aquarium as part of the decorations in the casino and in the casino in the aquarium was an internet connected thermometer yeah that's what it was yeah, yeah and they were able to exploit a vulnerability there and gain access to the entire rest of the network because Everything that's connected to your network is like a door. And so you're just checking to see, hey, are all these doors locked? Well, the door behind the, the thermometer wasn't, and people were able to hack it. Think about how ridiculous that is. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. So, Prima says, imagine hacking someone's toaster. I would totally do that. So uh, what I'm thinking is that there's, there's, we're going to see a trend for things to start getting more retro. And you know, if you look at, certain computer graphics even what's the video game where everybody's pixelated they have big heads minecraft maybe I, i'm not i don't i don't know much about there's a lot of those video games uh, a lot of pixelated big head games so you're not really narrowing things down <laughs> no but I, I think that i think that we're going to see a trend especially with the rise of vr and with the rise of like graphics and video games that a video game that's fully real life is going to get boring really really fast and i guess i'm kind of pivoting a little bit in the, in the topic here but but i think that the video games like uh uh grand theft auto or something you know any of the role-playing games anything that's too real i think is going to get boring really really fast and we're going to start seeing some more pixelated graphics the, that trend's already in place there's been kind of a divergence in the video game world where there's kind of two avenues that video games are made now you've got the really big studios that have like i think the last grand theft auto game had a budget in the hundreds of millions for development mm. and so you've got what are called triple a games that have very good graphics and lots of development and then you've got independent games that don't hide the fact that they're not trying to put a ton of work into their graphics and in kind of revel in 16 and 32-bit graphic styles and the effort and what makes the games great is the actual gameplay and then the graphics either are a throwback to another era or but like there's lots of games that are coming out in 2020 or 2021 that are graphically similar to games made in like 1998 right i think i think we're going to see more than i think the ones that we do see that have the higher pixelates and require more processing and graphics power 
um, are also going to so they're the realities look closer to actual reality, but you're going to have some more of the kind of anime esque aspects of things where it's it's like the real world, but with some uh, just some weird shit going on. Well, and so you mentioned that about video games. I actually thought about this in the term in, in terms of like cars too, which is that there you and I are not alone. We're in a, a shrinking minority, but there I think that there's eventually going to come a point where there's going to be one auto manufacturer that that's that that fights the trend that we're currently in and makes cars specifically for enthusiast drivers. And I'd say that right now, Mazda is doing its best because they still make cars like the Miata, which I was in the Mazda dealership uh, like almost about a year ago and checking out some of their newer vehicles. And I was actually thinking back, I was unimpressed because they didn't have the technology in them that all the other cars have. And now that you it's a really good example would be the uh, gear selector. So not manual transmission, automatic transition, but the gear selector where you put it from park to reverse, neutral, drive in the lower gears um, was actually something that you move, whereas all the other auto manufacturers is almost like you can move one digit in each direction to select the gear or you got to tap down to go to lower drive. And uh, now that you mentioned that, I wonder if that's because that's maybe a more traditional and they're sticking with that. But like Mazda's philosophy from the last time that I read press releases from them was that they still recognize that there are driving enthusiasts out there. So they're and still I, going to, yeah. there's a market for people that want three pedals, yeah, but not I, many other car manufacturers like that. Several years ago, Ferrari just said, we're not making cars with three pedals anymore, which is Ferrari, which is like peak car enthusiast car said, we're not making, we're not making manual transmissions anymore. Well, on the comment, Porsche is uh, kind of all on the same lines. Well, yeah, Porsche is right up there, too, because they got to fit in. And, you know, it's it's just really sad to see these guys kind of leave their roots. Now, I think, you know, what you're saying is there are going to be some manufacturers that that stick back, you know, with traditional vehicles and for the sake of the driving and the enthusiasts. And as that evaporates, maybe they will kind of like as the general as the general market abandons people like you and me, there's going to be a window that opens for a niche company to have a product line that caters to the enthusiast. Yeah, except what's regulated out by legislation. So so I want to hit this comment. Uh, Pramasha Pramasa from prima that says uh do you think consoles are going to be a thing of the past in a few years so as far as i know you uh you're not a big console guy you're no more of a i'm 100 pc gaming so i was going to say on the holiday gift guide that an old video game console would actually make a pretty cool gift and i i went by a older video game store in jersey that had a whole bunch of old consoles and a whole bunch of old video games that you have to uh, on the yeah, uh, which you actually shouldn't do. That's really uh, bad for the uh, the cartridge. Uh, but I but what do you think? You think it's going to be a thing of the past, or you think people are going to? No, be it's it's yet? already it's already something that that people really that it's it's a growing market for for retro video games. Um, it's been hot for a while, but it's probably going to continue to be. Because in much the same way that records and like playing actual vinyl records on a record player has gotten more popular in the last five years, the same thing's happening with video games where there's something about the authenticity of having a physical thing that people really like. And I don't think that consoles are going to go away, even like the, the modern ones, because like right now, good luck trying to buy a PlayStation 5. If you can, if you can find a store, a new one or an old one, PlayStation five is the newest. Yeah. There's there's whatever Xbox is calling their newest one, but PlayStation five right now is virtually impossible to get at MSRP. Um, If you can find a store in your area that has one, buy one. But even if just to resell it. Right. And so consoles are popular because 
like I like PC gaming for many of the same reasons that I like all these other things that I've talked about. It's customizable and I have true ownership over it. Like I get to, if I'm the one who owns the operating system and I can make changes to it, I own the hardware. I can change, I can change out parts in my computer. When you have a console, you're, you're limited to the firmware of the manufacturer. So it's again, you own it, but you, don't have full control over it because you can't replace the hardware in a console. You can't change the firmware. And for some people, they like that because it's convenient and you're usually getting a deal on the hardware. If you were to sum up the cost of the actual computing power that you're buying for a console, when it first comes out, a wanna... lot of those are sold below market because the companies like PlayStation, like Sony and Microsoft make more money on the licensing of the games and the subscriptions that they sell for their mm -hmm. online services than they do on the small loss that they take on the hardware of selling the actual system. Yeah, it's kind of like a Keurig machine or something like that. The goal is to kind of get you addicted to using the product. And I'm still I, I'm still wildly surprised that people are going to stores like when you can you can download movies and stuff. And I understand games much larger files but I'm still surprised that we're traveling to actual stores and that stores like GameStop are, are still around. Cause I think, well, that yeah, that's, that, that's why GameStop has so many, so many headwinds <laughs> is that every, every platform, be it PC or some console has its own version of some digital only online store. And me personally, I play games all the time, a ton. And I haven't bought a physical game. I don't know when the last time I did actually. Well, you, yeah, you you download to the PC, yeah. Yeah, I download. I use Steam. I like Steam as a platform. So we got to transition into this Christmas holiday. Oh, and, and so Prima says, "Wait, Team Xbox or PS5?" Yeah, that's what I was going to PC. Ask you. Like, but <laughs> if I were to have to pick, I would go with Xbox because I never liked the PlayStation controllers. I uh, I agree with you. I was always Xbox over place. I had the original Xbox and. Uh, I was never a PlayStation guy. I just don't like the the way that the thing feels in your hand. But I'm so like holding a video game controller these days is even when I see a video game, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I'd like to play. It's just so foreign. And I just can't. It's like playing a musical instrument. Like, yeah, I, watch, like, I watch people make I have music. an Xbox controller plugged into my Windows <laughs> PC right now. And so I guess if I were to have to pick Team Xbox because I'm still using an Xbox controller just on a PC. So, uh, and real quick, don't you think it's moving more towards VR direction, especially with the meta? No. Uh, I think it's moving towards sm uh, greater processing power in smaller packages. And if that package right now is an Oculus or something that you strap onto your eyes, something smaller that you hold into your hands, and that's all the processing power, then I think it's trending that way. I think it's trending that you don't need something that plugs into your TV. You don't need processing power in a 12 by 12 or 12 by eight console box. Uh, I think it's trending away from that. So, so we got a mix of PlayStation and some Nintendo people out there. Nintendo has a completely different philosophy than uh, Microsoft and Sony do um, because they're less concerned about making high powered hardware that has like super good graphics. They're more about accessibility and making fun games. And Real quick about the VR thing, because I know like um, a couple, like a week ago, hit these gifts. We gotta hit these gifts. Give me a minute and a half. <laughs> okay. I I think that VR is being pushed very heavily right now, but I don't think that it's going to take off for the same reason that. 10 years ago, 3D TVs didn't take off. Is and that was something that was pushed really hard, but ultimately it 3D wasn't. Movies, 3D movies haven't even taken off. So. No, no. 3D movies and 3D TV were something that were pushed really, really hard and, and are right now kind of a dead technology. And the reason isn't because the technology didn't work. It's that in order for the technology to work, you had to go through an inconvenience. You had to put on a special set of glasses at the movie theater or at your home to watch the 3d tv and it's going to be the same thing with vr where you're going to have to put on a pair of goggles and 
like it, VR is a physical experience as well, where like if you want to play a game in VR, you have to move your arms around. You need to have the space available to do that. You need to really have a dedicated area for VR to fully do it. And that's why I don't see it taking off is that the barriers to implementation for the user are too high. Yeah, uh, and that's I, I and it's and it's a less convenient experience. If you want to look at anything successful in the last hundred years, look for something that makes an existing experience more convenient. VR more does the opposite. And more accessible. More yeah. convenient, more accessible. Agree. Yeah. So VR doesn't do that. It's less accessible and it's way less convenient. Does it have its uses? Sure. But it needs to overcome those two barriers, which in my opinion are insurmountable. So, uh, all right, let's hit this holiday gift guide for 2021. Some of these items we mentioned in the previous episode, but... Uh, uh, and, Rosh has one more thing he wants us to hit. Well, I said we hit that at the end. I said we hit the, 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 the snowman that I built last weekend. We can, we can mention at the end, all right? Okay, well, yeah, and that'll be a good way to wrap up the talk about gifts, about how you can't make everybody happy. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to try to display it on the screen here if I can, but I got the... Uh, the Bodum handheld frother. Uh, I don't know if you can see it, but it's a it's a little machine with a miniature whisk on the end, and that's actually really cool for mixing up drinks. I've used it a whole bunch of times. I just got it this year. And is it, it just was, like an immersion blender? Yeah, but it's like a it's like a little stick, and then on the very end is like a, a, a tiny whisk. It's if you open the email, you can follow me along. The email that I sent, you can follow along, but it's Get really the cool department on it. You just, uh, you just rinse it off when you're done. I use it to mix up like protein powder, some energy drinks, um, some, you know, you can mix up cocktails with it and it's, it's cheap. I think it was like 15, 20 bucks, uh, next on the gift list. And some of these gifts are, are big gifts. Some of these gifts are small gifts. I wanted to have a, a mix between like, this is the gift and this is like a stocking stuffer. So we'll do, do the, the hand mixer is kind of more stocking stuffer esque. And then the next one I have is the Bartesian cocktail machine. And, uh, and this is something that you can kind of load your own vodka, your own whiskey, your own tequila, rum, and gin onto. And then uh, you throw these flavor pods in there, and it'll make your, your own drink. It's like, a, it's like a Keurig machine on steroids and booze. <laughs> so uh, that's a pretty cool machine. We got Rosh one for... Uh, for his his birthday and uh, as far as i know he liked it uh and then uh the next one on the list here is this uh the squat rack so since i've been building a home gym over the last year uh the first thing i got was a squat rack and i think this one you can get for like 200 bucks i didn't realize they were that cheap when i did i was like oh hell yeah i'm gonna get one of those you get the squat rack, you can accessorize a little bench, a little bar, and uh, some uh, some plates, some weight plates. And uh, you, you got a whole bunch of exercises that you can do in your own house. You got the pull-up rack. got to be delicate here. when you're giving somebody exercise equipment as a gift. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Now, uh, that's the, the, the squat box, the squat rack there. The next box I have on here, and this is really cool, is a smoke box. It's a cocktail smoking box. It's got a little port where you can pipe in the smoke. And then you see in the picture here, uh, that, and this one I think is from Williams-Sonoma. It's called the Craft House Cocktail Smoking Box. And you pipe the smoke in, you let it sit there for a minute, 60 seconds or so. And, uh, and, and that's your cocktail. It's got a nice hint of the aroma of whatever you're smoking. I actually have a whole bunch of flavors of uh, different woods like hickory and maple and things that you can you can smoke with. The next thing on here, I don't think I have a... Oh, I do. Concert tickets. <clears throat> I think concert tickets was your idea, right, James? Um, Probably. And I'll, I'll let you sell them then. Why are concert tickets a good gift in 2021? Well, for one, it's, it, giving a gift of an experience is always solid as long as you have an idea as to what they like so like don't buy me taylor swift tickets i probably won't go but um if, if you know that somebody likes a band or whatever then you can get them two tickets and it's something that they'll enjoy and it's something that you can also share with them it's a great gift for like a significant other because 
here's something that you're going to like. And by the way, it's a date night for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're going to go because it would suck to get somebody some somebody, you know, a couple hundred dollars worth of tickets they don't they don't show up for. Um, but uh, but also people haven't been going out that much lately. So, yeah, you can do it like it doesn't have to be a concert ticket. It can be some other experience like, I don't know, skydiving tickets. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. And they're not hooked to a certain date. Yeah. Um, which Which you should try if you haven't done before. I don't want to do that. Uh, so the next gift I have is the sunset projection lamp. And I actually have one of these in the, uh, the entryway to the house and it turns on automatically every day at, uh, at dusk. Hold on a second. So Prima said some, uh, the concert tickets are a bad gift for someone who's deaf. Um, I got to share this one because it made me think a while back, Taylor Swift had a concert where her fans could vote on for on her to play a free concert at like a certain high school. So it was a fan voting contest of, you know, where this is going. Yeah. Um, and so the internet found out about this and everybody got together and they voted for Taylor Swift to play a free concert at a school for the deaf. That's right. the school that won. I'm, I had no doubt. So uh, the next gift is, uh, is the sunset projection lamp, which projects this, they call it like the golden hour People love taking pictures at this time of day when the sun's setting. You get this kind of more reddish, yellowy hue in, in the light. Very cool light. Like I said, I have one that's in the entranceway, and it comes on every day at uh, at dusk, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Next gift. Uh, now that I live just outside the city, as far as I'm concerned, fashionably, I uh, I'm a country boy, so. I uh, I really have been wanting to buy a denim jacket, and uh, and why not a denim jacket with some real sheepskin on the inside? A nice sherpa-lined denim jacket for the winter time. So I think that would be a pretty good gift. It's uh, something I'm kind of digging. And uh, my next option was uh, I've been looking for a, a vintage record player. I want to get one of those consoles with the speakers built in the turntable built in maybe an am fm radio built in but um i didn't put a vintage record player because a lot of those don't work they're tough uh so i had something vintage and here i found a nice vintage watch i don't even know who it's made by it just says chronograph on it like uh, but having a cool vintage watch is pretty cool it just tells the time it's kind of a fashion statement and a I would rather spend two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or two or two grand on a vintage watch than two hundred dollars on a you know kind of a, a cheap new watch or five hundred dollars on a new watch because I think that you know that your money goes further when you know it's vintage you know it's a higher quality product. Not necessarily. They're, they're, <laughs> no, not necessarily. Not... Correct, but but generally, if you're going to spend uh, two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars on something that's forty years old or sixty years old versus something that's brand new, my guess is the older version. You know, it, it, obviously, it's it's held its value, so it, there's something there. You you drop two hundred dollars on a watch now in a year, it's worth ten dollars. Right, but that's not necessarily the the the, the new watch is lower quality. Because some of the like some of the new watches, a new two hundred dollar watch is going to be more accurate than well, a two hundred dollar vintage watch. Sure, you're enough, buying it for different reasons. You're, exactly. All right. So, um, but that two hundred dollar watch is going to be worth ten dollars next year. You're, the two hundred dollar watch you buy that's vintage will be worth two hundred dollars next year. Yeah. Um, that, so on. Uh, so I changed my vintage record player to just maybe, and this might have been on an older list. But just a cool looking record player, you can get them for 100 or 200 bucks. And if somebody's into music, you know, you get them the record player, you get them a, a, you know, a couple of a couple of discs and uh, and they're they're a happy camper. So that's it's nice to have. Uh, and then I know I've had some some higher value items. So I got the uh, I got the Rain-X. Are you following along with my list here? I, I remember it, but right. I also know what all of these things are. <laughs> so Rain-X is uh is a great stocking stuffer if you haven't used rain x before throw some buy some rain x throw it on your windshield rub it in buff it off 
drive through the rain. I've actually, I told you a few episodes ago that I buffed the hell out of it on my windshield and that it just didn't rain for like, uh, for like three weeks. And I just, and then finally when it rained, my car was in the shop. So I was, I was really, I was actually really bummed that I couldn't drive during the rain with the rain X on there. <laughs> um, next up, um, scratch off tickets, scratch off tickets. Uh, not one of my favorite gifts uh, to give or to receive, but uh, it hasn't been on any of my last six years. They're easy uh, and they're fun. They're and e- if you really want to have fun, then buy fake scratch off tickets that look like they're that, that, that always win. Oh, God, that's just cruel. I think they did that to my uncle uh, like 25 years ago. He almost had a heart attack. That's not nice, uh, but it's funny. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, scratch off tickets, not a bad idea, especially if you got a really super low budget or you're just looking for something kind of chintzy to give to somebody. Prima asks, do you prefer to wind up your watches? I don't. Ha- I, I charge my Apple Watch, wireless Apple Watch charger. <laughs> no one. I've got a wind up watch, but it, it's it's one where like you have to stay on top of it. If you don't wind it up like every day, it'll stop. So it's cool and all, but it's mildly annoying. So, sure, but you're going for this kind of authenticity retro feel. So when you said an older watch isn't as good as a as a new watch, and, you know, and we're talking about it taking precise a precise measure of time, you're not wearing an old watch to have a precise measure of time. You're wearing it for style or flair. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna if my budget for a watch is five hundred bucks. I'm buying a vintage watch. My budget for a watch is two grand. I'm buying a vintage watch. My yeah. budget for a watch is eight or ten grand. Maybe I'll buy something newer. That's yeah, it. like I've got I've got a wind up watch, and the only time that I would wear it would be if I wanted to have like it. It, it would be an accessory piece, not functional. Mm. I have a couple of vintage ones, uh, battery powered. But every time I go to grab them, the battery's dead. I change a battery, wear it a week. And yeah. then, uh, and then put it back in my dresser drawer and forget like my everyday watch is a Garmin uh, is a Garmin Phoenix, which has tons of features and works really well, but it's not something that you're going to look at and like heads are going to turn. Um, no, not with a Garmin. Same thing with an Apple watch. It's just not happening. All right. Next gift also stocking stuffer. And this is a pack of playing cards. We talked about that, I think, uh, in the previous episode, and it's a cheap gift. But I can tell you, you know, especially after being, uh, after having so much free time during the, what was it called, the pandemonium or the pandemic or something, uh, when we were all stuck, well, I wasn't, but other people were stuck inside. Uh, It's nice to get off your cell phone, spend some quality time with people, play some cards. Um, I've been teaching the the young nieces and nephews how to play uh, blackjack and some other card games. Uh, you know, it's nice to just chill. You don't have any cell phones on the table. You smoking some cigars, some cigarettes, uh, you know, me and the nephews how to smoke cigars. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's nice. I always channel, uh, risky business where they're all smoking kind of wet, soggy, chewed up cigars. Yeah. Um, uh, listen to some Bruce Springsteen. I don't know, but, uh, but a, a deck of cards, if somebody doesn't have it already, or even if they do a new deck of cards, nice, shiny, good quality um, playing cards is nice. And it's not you can buy them at a fucking gas station. So, yeah. And it's and it's a also, decent pack of cards for five to seven bucks. And, and you can get a decent pack of cards. Yeah. So it's not it doesn't even seem that much like an afterthought. I mean, I'm telling you, they're almost at every gas station. So um, it's kind of a cool gift and it's sort of retro, too. So that's nice. Um, last gift. And this is also uh, fully your idea is a, a ceramic knife. And this is a lot of the ceramic knives I found were kind of colorful and chintzy looking and, and really, really cheap looking. And they, they don't match like the German or the Japanese chef's knives that you might have in your set. Yeah, this one's still got a plastic handle, but it's got a black blade. And a lot of them have a, a white blade, but this one's got a black. I think blade. the white blade looks pretty cool. My set of ceramic knives looks very similar to that, where it's black handle, black blade. Yeah, it's it's really cool. They the ceramic knives are a hell of a lot cheaper than the uh, your, your steel knives, but um, but but they're pretty cool looking. And uh, James, you want to talk a little bit about ceramic knives and how they're different from 
Oh, uh, they're super sharp and they hold their edge very well. You you never need to sharpen a ceramic knife. Um, they're they're not meant to last forever. Like if you buy a really good chef's knife, like a Wusthof or a Henkel's knife, and you take care of it, it'll last you years. If you even if you use it every single day, but like ceramic knives are not meant to last forever. It's a it's a brittle material, and so you can't use them for like chopping things. And by that I mean like chopping through bone, like you could with like a chef's knife, because um, the the knife itself will will crack. Um, but they're really really good for for fruits and vegetables or anything slicing. And the other nice thing is because it's ceramic, like the blade will never rust and there's no metal on it or whatever. So like if you cut up fruit. The fruit will never like, for lack of like, corrode. You yeah, know what I'm talking about. You're not, like, you're not, yeah, you're not putting that kind of oxidized metal onto the onto right. The- so, like when I was bartending, I used my ceramic knife for cutting all my fruit because the fruit would hold up for an extra day or two longer than if I had used a metal knife. Yeah, because you don't have yeah you don't have that oxidized rust basically uh, on the on the food but but you know you see that one it's got the plastic handle it still looks cool it's tough to find a really super expensive exquisite handcrafted looking ceramic knife because well, like they said, don't exist they don't they're not the, the the material itself isn't a long lasting material you, you might have it for a, a couple of years but it's because they chip They'll always stay super sharp, but after a while, you know, especially if you're using it on the wrong things or you catch, um, you know, a seed or a, a pit or something like that, it, they're going to dull. They're going to dull. They're, just they're not designed to last forever. And so, like, if a, a really good ceramic knife might run you 30 to 40 bucks, like a really good chef's knife, like a six inch chef knife, you can easily spend 150 or 200 dollars on. But the difference is. The two hundred dollar chef's knife easily lasts you a decade if you take good care of it. Yeah, and uh, probably multiple decades, but uh, but not the uh, but not this knife. So the one I the one I showed was a Kyocera Advanced Ceramic Revolutionary Series Santoku knife with a black blade. Yeah, which but, I may but, actually pick one up for myself. I don't like the colorful one, so I may actually grab one. I think that one was like forty bucks or forty nine bucks or something. Yeah, I, I when I bought mine, I got a set of three for like thirty or fifty bucks or something, and they've been great. So two two things. One, I want to I want to tell you in a second about my snowman, and then uh, how do you prevent cigars from giving you a headache? <laughs> so I've never had a cigar headache, so I don't. The, the answer is you build up a high tolerance to nicotine. Like the reason why you're getting a headache from a cigar is probably because that's the first time that your body has had nicotine in it since the last time you had a cigar. Well, if it's your first cigar, um, but, but it's also yeah, it's it's because it, like, cigars are actually if you're if you're smoking a cigar for an hour or so, you're getting a really large dose of nicotine. Well, think about how long you smoke. A, if you are a smoker, you, are you smoking a cigarette for? Three, five minutes. I was going to say three minutes. Five. So five minutes. Tops. Three to five minutes. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not much of a smoker at all. But when I, when I, uh, you know, when I smoke a cigarette, I I really pull really hard. So I get like three or four pulls tops out of a cigarette, and it, la- it lasts very shortly. So a cigar for me, I do the same thing, but it doesn't. It doesn't end, and I'll be there for 25 minutes, a half hour. If it's a big enough cigar, 45 minutes. And, and it's a, your body is just absorbing this nicotine, even though you're not inhaling it there, the nicotine is still crossing. Yeah. You're still, yeah. It's still picking up through your mouth. And also just like the, the part of the cigar that's actually touching your mouth, you're, you're absorbing nicotine directly from the leaves, like not just the smoke, but also just the part that's touching your mouth. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just a cigar, the dose of nicotine that you get from a cigar is just orders of magnitude higher than a single cigarette. Yeah, cigar. You know what? Fuck that. Let's add cigars to uh, to this year's holiday list. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna impromptu some cigars yeah. would be nice for the ladies and, and, or for the guys. And Rosh mentions, po- mentions poker. After the cast, I want to tell him about a poker variant that I came up with. All right. So we'll we'll, we'll stay on uh, once we once we wrap up. We got about five minutes left, and uh, 
you know, I want to tell you, I, I sent you the text with what happened when I tried to build a snowman out here in the in the suburbs of New Jersey. And, you know, I got a lot of woke neighbors in this neighborhood and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to fit in. So I had to had to make some adjustments. But, um, you know, you want to you want to read the timeline. I'll fill you in on what happened. You, I, I sent you the I sent you the timeline. So 8 a.m. Uh, I made a snowman. 810. Well, my feminist neighbor came over and asked me why it wasn't a snowwoman. 815. Uh, I gave the snowman a sex change. 817. Well, she was right there. My feminist neighbor complained about my snowman, my snowwoman's large bosom, saying that that it objectified women everywhere. 820. The lesbian couple living nearby threw a hissy fit as they as they walked by because, you know, my neighborhood, we got a nice sidewalk. People walk in the in the mornings there. And uh, they sh- said I should have made two snowwomen. Uh, so I made another snowwoman as a partner. 822. Well, the the person was walking by the transgender. It was like a it was a them was walking by the. So person walking on the sidewalk, I didn't know, uh, but but they asked why uh, one snowman, uh, why I didn't just make one snowman with like interchangeable parts. I didn't know what to say. Eight twenty five. So we get this uh, other neighborhood. They get this garden, another neighbor. They got this garden in the back. I think they're vegans. Uh, and they complained that uh, that I had the carrots there for the nose. And they said it was it was really wasteful because, uh, you know, I was wasting food. Eight twenty eight. Well, uh, a couple of people that were passing by, uh, you know, their morning protest routine with the signs, the Black Lives Matter signs. Uh, they called me a racist because uh, both of the snow couple, the snow people, were white. Which I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think about that in advance. I just kind of used the resource I had available. So uh, eight thirty. So I use I use some food coloring to change the color of uh, one of the snow people to uh, to be a bit more inclusive. So at least I could do. You know, try my best. Eight thirty seven. Well, then they accused me even that fucking God forbid that uh, (laughs) that it was effectively like doing blackface to the snowman because I had a a white snow person portraying a a colored snow person, which was even more embarrassing. 839. Well, so the the people with the the gilded uh, fence in their front yard, I guess they're Middle Eastern. They uh, they came across the road and uh, they they said, well, your uh your snow people are too exposed uh you know it's it's uh it's offending my family uh they need a, a full burqa for their for the you know a snow person on your front lawn and display needs to be more modest than that 840 well somebody called the police and they came over and they uh you know it was really embarrassing now because if if the neighbors hadn't noticed that so we had the sirens on the street and the police were there and uh uh, they read the list of complaints that 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 had been levied against me. I didn't know everybody also had called the police, but I guess, you know, you got to complain. 842. The feminist neighbor, right? Up, you know, she came back. And so now it's like 40 minutes later. Uh, and she complained that the broom that I gave the snow woman, uh, you know, depicted a woman in a purely domestic role. And that's not what women are. Women aren't purely slaves of the home. 843. Well, uh, I didn't know this, but in our uh, uh, HOA, there's an equality officer, and uh, and he came in and threatened me with uh, with eviction because uh, obviously I was this wasn't this was an equality issue. Eight forty five. <laughs> well, uh, the uh, the news showed up. A couple of news vans with the the cameras. Uh, they kind of set up. I, I told them they couldn't come on the property. They, they stayed in the street. Um, and uh, I was asked if I knew the difference between a snowman and snow women. And uh, jokingly, I said uh, snowballs. And the female reporter, uh, re- you know, called me uh, a sexist pig. Which nine, I, nine a.m. <laughs> this is an hour later. Uh, I, I was I, this is live. I didn't realize they were recording live. And I was on the news. And uh, uh, apparently I was reported as a uh, and this is. This is terrible, but uh, suspected racist 
suspected terrorist, a homophobe, uh, a sensibility offender. Uh, and I was bent clearly on stirring up trouble uh, in my neighborhood uh, during the difficult weather that we were experiencing. Nine ten. The police the police asked if I had any accomplices, and you know I didn't just make the snow people to make snow people. I don't I, you know I don't have that kind of spare time, and I needed to. Yeah, you know, I wanted to incorporate, so I had the kids help me, so I could show them how to you know how to do this traditional snow people thing, and uh, then of course the police found out that I had children. Social services were called, and they took the children. Nine twenty nine. Well, this is, you know, it is a little too far, but the far left protesters came. They were offended by obviously everything I'd done. They, they marched down the street and demanded my arrest for all of the crimes. 945. Uh, by now, the story was all over social media. My boss called me and fired me because of the negative association with his company. 10 a.m. I cried into my drink because all I wanted to do was build a fucking snowman. All right, that's it, everybody. Thank you very much. James Rosh, stay on. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining. All right, that concludes this episode. Thank you for joining, and I will see you guys next time. Happy holidays. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.